Hey there, it's Michelle Pilpich. I am a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and your host of this podcast, Simply Intuitive. On the show, we are talking about all things intuitive eating, active living, and breaking down what's true versus what's a myth in the wellness world so that you can focus on simple and sustainable ways to actually improve your health. If you're feeling overwhelmed by all of the health information floating around and you just want to know what to do to feel your best, you're in the right place. Not only are specific tips coming your way, but you can also count on conversations that will challenge your perspective on what health really means. So I hope you'll stick around for many episodes to come, but for now, let's get into today's show. I am so excited for you to hear this episode. I think it's going to relate with so many people. I'm talking to Lior, who is a lovely, lovely therapist that I connected with on Instagram. She's at the therapy gal. Um, Really great follow. Definitely follow her content. And she and I just kind of instantly bonded over having similar approaches as professionals, both me as a dietitian and her as a therapist, similar personalities, as well as both having this history of GI issues and anxiety and the anxiety and GI situations we had going on really being intertwined so much and just really affecting our lives. And this is something that I know a ton of people struggle with. I've worked with many clients who have struggled with this. So has Lior. We see it on Instagram. I think that gut health is such a trendy topic for a reason because People have IBS, people have anxiety about their IBS, people have GI issues and then anxiety about those symptoms and then sometimes it even morphs into disordered eating and orthorexia and maybe a full-blown eating disorder and not always but we really dove into all of those topics and all of the ways that these challenges can really manifest and what they can become as well as you know, we gave lots of tips and information on how to deal with that, how to prevent it from getting worse and kind of spiraling into a situation that you don't want, as well as how to get better if you are in a place where you're already thinking, okay, this is not a situation I want, whether it's disordered eating or IBS more generally. Um, We talked about a lot of things, both from a nutrition and therapy perspective, that can really support you. So this is just such a good conversation about personal experience, professional opinion, a lot of validation. And I really think that anyone who has ever struggled with tummy troubles of any kind is just going to feel really heard and really relate. So I hope you enjoy this chat. All right. Hi, Lior. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. And now I'm just laughing and I'm always going to think of you as Dior with an L. <laughs> so if it's anyone best, doesn't know. <laughs> it's the best way to remember my, my how to pronounce my name because I know that it is different. So yeah. it's, it's like it's easy. Dior, Lior. That's who we're talking to today. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to dive into all things gut health, GI stuff, all the sexy things to talk about. Um, <laughs> but before that. Can you just share who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also work with individuals. Um, I'm based out of Philadelphia, but I also um, work with people in New Jersey. I own my own practice called The Therapy Gal. So if anyone's looking for a a wonderful, amazing therapist, head on over. But um, yeah, basically, I sort of started my journey as a therapist now, I think it was like 2017. Um, and through the pandemic and here we are today and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about like being at home and like even, I mean, talked about gut health, like having IBS, being able to be remote Mm -hmm. versus in person, how that affects you. Mm -hmm. Um, so I am quite an open book and, and, and overshare in this way where I don't (laughs) feel, embarrassed by any means talking about these things because they're so important and so many people 
have gone through them that, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a therapist that is self-disclosive, not in my sessions, but online. <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy to sort of create space for anyone else that might be feeling this way. Which is so important because once you say it, I mean, that's exactly what happened with us. Then people are like, me too. And nobody yeah. feels alone. Exactly. It's relatable. Exactly. So also, if anyone is looking for a therapist and they follow me and like my personality, I feel like you're the person. Because as soon as we chatted, we were like, wait, this is best fun. Friends. <laughs> Instant best friends. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I I'm telling myself, so maybe you're like, this creep, we better get away. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. We're the same. Yes. Yeah. And so we really bonded over the IBS experience. We both have this history. It's really... I would say why I got into nutrition was just dealing with my own GI mm -hmm. issues, IBS struggles in college and then after. And I have my own kind of story with that. But why don't you start sharing what your experience was? Yeah. So I'm currently 29 years old, but my symptoms really started as soon as I was maybe three, where I would just have... I would vomit in the car. I'd be very nauseous. I'd have stomach aches. Um, I would just always be very sick. And then it kind of went away and came back when I was 16 years old, where I started seeing my first GI and had my first colonoscopy at age 17, which was no. so young. Yeah, because my symptoms were so severe, but they had no idea what was going on. Mm -hmm. um, to then being diagnosed with IBS, to fast forward, symptoms still being very, very bad. Um, in 2019, I believe, I was diagnosed with SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Mm -hmm. um, and then to recently, I found out that I actually had a parasite for a very, very long time, we think. Do you know um, where it came from? I think I do. So in 2016, which is 2023, so that I think it was that long. Um, I, yeah, I went to Colombia with a friend and I had one of those like coconuts on the beach mm -hmm. and I got super sick, like so sick from it where it was so hard for me to recover from that. And I think just since then, I just had a little a little friend with me um, <laughs> wow. for the years that caused my symptoms to be worse and worse and worse that maybe could have caused the SIBO. I mean, you would know a lot right. more than me, but definitely yeah. could have created a lot of uh, bacteria and infections in my gut and just a lot of um, food intolerances. I already have food. Um, or, um, oh my gosh, I'm losing the word. Uh, allergies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There are different intolerances um, yeah. and things like that. So that's kind of been my gut journey. So it wasn't until a few months ago that I took a medication for the parasite that mm -hmm. actually changed my entire life. Thank goodness. Yeah. Wow. And what are the food allergies? Have those been lifelong? Yeah. So I always was a little bit like, I have a fructose intolerance and I have, I have lactose okay. intolerance. And I also have like a dairy allergy that I came up in a mm -hmm. test, but I mean, it, regardless of that, I, I have a lot of like histamine issues. I don't, I can't eat spinach and kiwis and certain foods just make my mouth all weird and tingly and yes. like Is lettuce. it different like raw versus cooked? For sure. I know that's a big thing. Yeah. Like the yeah. oral, oral allergy something. I don't know. With mm. fruit, a lot of people have that. One of my good friends has that and loves fruit so much and she's like oh. I just don't let it touch my lips I'm like is this safe <laughs> that is so interesting yeah because I I remember eating salad once with one of my friends and I was like you know I love spinach but like it's so spicy and she was like spinach is not <laughs> spicy and I was like wait what this is my entire <laughs> life I was like spinach is spicy like that's just the spicy leaf and that's so funny little did I know I was just <laughs> Were you picky? Myself. Yeah. <laughs> were you picky as a kid? No, not at all. I mean, my, my oh. we like were fed not caviar, but like equivalent <laughs> like fish roe. <laughs> like since we were kids, like we were not me and my wow. sister were never picky. I ate everything. I have no issues trying new foods. Like it was never yeah. about that. Yeah. So, okay, this is great because we have different perspectives here. Like I 
have always kind of struggled with GI issues, not at all severely, mm-hmm. but was just like the most shy, anxious, nervous kid. And so always had that like nervous stomach and didn't even put two and two together. I remember in fourth grade, I begged my parents to let me take piano lessons. I wanted to learn piano. And at my very first recital, I was like having some tummy issues beforehand. And I was like, mom, I'm sick. I can't perform this recital. And she was like, that's what happens when you're nervous. And that was, I was like, oh, what? And I mean, to this day, anytime I have like a super stressful day, I'll have a stomachache by the end of the day. And at least now I know like, okay, clear cause, like that's fine. It's going to go away. But that was a big thing for all of my life, I guess. I did get diagnosed with SIBO in maybe right after college um, and did the like, what is it called? The breath test, the hydrogen breath test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that too. Yeah. So I did that because I was just having like bloating, stomach aches all the time. I am lactose intolerant, was like a lot more strict with eliminating it. Like now I eat cheese and ice cream mm-hmm. is kind of the only thing that like, okay, I know that's not going to sit yeah. well. Um, but everything else I like know that I can tolerate because it is an intolerance, not an allergy. Mm-hmm. There is that spectrum. So I was a lot more strict with cutting things out because I was so anxious about feeling bad, which mm-hmm. I'm sure you can relate to. And Looking back, I'm like, it's so sad because one of the times when I was really sticking to not having um, dairy, I guess, or whatever, like food of the moment I thought was the issue was when I was studying abroad. And I'm like, oh, I was so stressed mm-hmm. while I was there. Like I still, I was in Switzerland. I definitely had cheese, but, well, <laughs> but <Swiss. it's> stressful, <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> and chocolate. Oh my gosh. Fondue. Like so wow. good, but it was such a stressful experience. And I imagine you had that too of like that the nerves about feeling worse and then nerves make it feel worse has always been my challenge. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's sort of the difference between it, it, am I actually having a flare up or is this psychosomatic? Is this, is this anxiety? Is this more not, not in my head because psychosomatic does not mean it's in our head. It's real. The pain is real. Everything yeah. is real, but it's about how, uh, at what severity we're experiencing something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very interesting because both of us come from, I, I think anxiety shows up differently in everybody where you, you, it sounds like growing up, you were more like shy and introverted maybe, or, yeah. You know, yeah, just like, not that it's a bad thing, but it was just more of your personality where I was always like loud out there, like I didn't care, but mm-hmm. my anxiety has sort of developed into kind of like what you said of, is that like my, around my stomach, is this going to be so, so bad that that was causing my, m- more of my symptoms or my symptom, symptoms to be worse than they are rather than me being worried about being in a crowded room because uh, to be honest when I studied abroad I went I went to Rome cool. my stomach ha- was never better I mean like and I was eating you went to like I pasta and pizza for every single meal yeah obviously <laughs> um and I felt so good I I I didn't have any issues I like had my lactate pills but I didn't really I I remember like there were pictures of me traveling to other like countries and being at Starbucks because like why like why <laughs> I just look back and I'm like why did why was I abroad and we were looking for Starbucks like that is <laughs> wild um but I'm just like drinking this like caramel frap with like all this whipped cream all this stuff and I'm like yeah. I cannot imagine doing that right now how did I do that but I did so right. I know that you know symptoms can get worse and, and intolerances and allergies whatever they can get worse but like yeah. I I, I knew that then my anxiety was not as bad so that my symptoms weren't as bad either. Whereas now, yeah. even an almond milk latte from Starbucks, I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> right. I mean, I had the same experience where like when I was going, because I have done the whole like FODMAP elimination diet. I thought Whole30 was going to cure things. I did mm-hmm. the... Um, before I studied nutrition, I did the like blood test, food intolerance, the... 
Yeah, blood tests for food intolerances, which are not research facts. Don't do them. (laughs) They don't tell you anything. But I was cutting out all of those foods. And then I remember it was that was probably like right before Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving or Christmas. I was traveling, seeing family, eating everything. And I was like, wait, it's Thanksgiving Day. I ate so much of everything and I feel fine. What? So like that was really a key for me of like, Again, not it's all in your head. Like I felt what I felt, but it's so anxiety related. And I um, would get nervous, used to get very nervous about flying, not because I was ever like afraid of a plane crash, but because I was like, I'm going to be confined on a plane for however many hours. What if I have a stomach ache? That's going to be miserable. Like that was always the fear. So I'm curious from your therapist brain, what do you tell people for those fears that make the original problem worse. Yeah. So, so typically, and, and I wonder if you've ever had an experience on an airplane where you did have a stomach ache or. I did when I was flying to travel abroad. I was so nervous about it happening. It happened. (laughs) And it was like, I survived. It was fine. There it is. Right. But it still happened, you know? And so your last memory at that point was, I have stomach aches on airplanes. Mm. And so we create this narrative in our head that generates this idea that being on airplane equals danger, right? Because yeah. that's what anxiety really is. It, it warns us that there's danger happening. Now, is it real danger or is it our minds protecting us from the potential of maybe what if something worst case scenario, you know what I mean? Like yeah. happens where... I mean, I don't know the statistics, but like, I, I know you mentioned something about flying on an airplane, but, uh, but it's sort of like, it's, you have a higher chance of dying from something hitting you from the sky than it is being on an airplane or something like right. that, where, so you're going to avoid air, you know? So it's, it's going to be what are our last experience or vicariously watching someone else's or hearing about someone else's last Mm -hmm. experience of something that's going to stay in our nervous system, stay in our minds, be, become a part of us. And we're going to try and work as hard as we can to avoid it. So then what happens when we avoid it is we create a scarier narrative around that thing, which then we probably won't do it and then we are valid in avoiding it because, oh, I, I haven't done it. And that's why I haven't gotten a stomach right. ache on an airplane yet. Right. Yeah. So when someone's forced into that situation of like, okay, now I have no choice but getting on the plane, what do you advise people to do in the moment? Yeah. So this is where coping skills come in. I mean, I think that it's they're going to look differently for everyone, but you have to utilize what works best for you, whether that's um, the breathing, like box breathing, the four, 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 four method <laughs> of in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four, and for four, and, and so on and so forth, and, and focusing on that. Um, I also always talk about focusing what you do have control over. So in reality, do we really have control over anything? I guess maybe no, but like, can I control my arm right now going up? And it, like, yes. Can I control my breathing? Can I control the snacks that I pack myself for the flight? Can it be the snacks that I know that make me feel good and, and they don't hurt my stomach? Could it be that I get to control the shows that I wa- I'm going to watch on the airplane so I can focus on the things that I do have control over rather than the things that I don't? Um, there is also a CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy tactic that allows us to think about the worst case scenario, the best case scenario, and then the most likely. Mm. So if the worst is I, I have the worst, like I just have straight up diarrhea for the entire 10 hour flight. Let's say that that is worst case scenario. Best case scenario is my stomach's great. I'm not doing like any, like no issues. I'm watching my show. I'm sleeping. Like this is all so great. And then the most likely is I might have to poop on the plane and maybe not. And I'll be okay. And maybe my stomach will gargle a little bit, but like I will overall be fine and I'll get off the plane and I'll continue with my day because that's really what it's been like. And that it it's 
It's just the idea of I'm going to be okay. So thinking of the most likely situation is going to be really important here. That is a super helpful tip. And going, going back to like things we're in control of and choosing foods that you can control that, you know, feel good, certainly so helpful and Mm -hmm. can go too far at times. Right. Have you had the experience of getting to that point of fear, obsession, disordered tendencies even because of food triggers? Absolutely. And I, I'm so glad that you're bringing this up because this is such an important topic. And I feel like um, many people don't realize this, but, and, and I'll, I'll share my journey with this, but in 2019, I had to get a surgery that had something to do with my stomach and it was, it went horribly. It was so bad that I, I, a stitch has ripped, had ripped and I lost seven bags of blood. I was passed out. I was rushed to the ER. Yeah. It was so traumatic for me that I, that after that, I was just so determined to be quote unquote healthy. So when I say quote unquote healthy, I didn't mean I needed to lose weight or I needed my body to look a certain way. It was never for me personally. It was never about body image. It was never about how I looked, but it was how I felt Mm -hmm. and how I felt I equated to health. And at the same time, health doesn't always equal that. And that led to a a period of time where I had experienced orthorexia, which you can speak to way more than I can, but it is basic. I mean, from my understanding, it was just the obsession of being healthy, right? Right. Right. That's like the people who I see plenty of clients like this where they're not necessarily counting the calories, but they are checking, is this organic? Is it clean eating? Is this a whole food that I know Mm -hmm. all the ingredients? It's a lot more like ingredient-based, health-based than necessarily calories or just focusing on, will this change my weight? Exactly. Exactly. I That's such a perfect explanation because that's exactly how I felt. I was like, oh, this has this in it. So it's not healthy. And like I would label yeah. foods as healthy and not healthy. And it was so bad. Like it, it did not. First of all, I did not feel better. I'm going to be honest. And I mean, I had a parasite that whole time. So of course, <laughs> I mean, maybe my parasite was like, where's the sugar? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but it was still like, yum, 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 carrots. Like, so I, I think that, yeah. So at that time I was just so focused on that, that it, it made me like just wild in so many ways. And I, I remember like projecting that onto other people and like, mm. like my, my family, my friends, like my partner. And I would just be not my clients, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I would always kind of I would always be like, well, that's not good. Like, are you sure you want that? Are you sure you want to drink real dairy? Like, are you sure? And it's like, what? I was just being brainwashed by social media, by curating the feed that I wanted that served my narrative, that served my purpose. And I didn't feel good. And it took me, I mean, I would say like almost a year to really heal from it on my own, because one day I just realized, and I was like, this is like so unhealthy. Like, what am I doing? And it's not helping me. And even till this day, sometimes I'll get these like moments of like, oh, like, let me look at the ingredients again, not the calories, not the fat, not the sugars. I don't care about that. But it was the, let me make sure there's not this bad ingredient or this needs to be like you said, organic or whatever. And it's so interesting. And challenging and problematic when people get into that mindset for digestive issues specifically because Mm -hmm. so many digestive struggles can come from eating too much fiber. Like the number of times I have seen someone who is telling me I am so painfully bloated every single day and then we go through what they're eating and it is the most massive salad with beans and chickpeas <laughs> and every vegetable you could possibly imagine and they're all raw and the fiber is just off the charts because when you're in that orthorexic mindset, that's what you tend to eat. Those are all so much harder to digest and they create those symptoms. So a lot of times what helps with digestion is the white rice, the simple carbs, and just like the combination of everything. So you can really mm-hmm. dig yourself into a hole that way. Yeah, exactly. And then, mm-hmm. and and something that I, I told myself at that point, I tell my clients is 
we we aren't really taught how to eat for our right. bodies because so true. one size does not fit all. And just because I can eat something doesn't mean that you can, that they can and whoever can. And so I always recommend, at least with my clients now, if they're struggling with with eating or symptoms or body image stuff or, you know, whatever the case may be, I always, always recommend them to see a, a registered dietitian mm -hmm. to talk through some, with somebody that has a specialty, that has a degree um, in, in this specific topic. Right. We don't know. We're not taught. And so many people will tell me, you know, oh, I know this is stupid, but I don't really know what hunger and fullness feel like. And I always say it's not stupid. Every mm -hmm. single person says that to me. Like it's unfortunately the norm that we don't know how to listen to our body. Like everyone says, listen to your body. And that's not always so simple. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And to go back to what you said about those safe foods, like once we find them, well, this is what I, I used to see a functional medicine doctor and maybe you can talk to this, but mm -hmm. um, she told me like, if you have a safe food, which for me was like white rice and zucchini, um, she's like, if this is your safe food and you continue to eat it, your body is actually going to form a defense against this because you are consuming it too much. And so your body's going to be like, what is this that keeps coming in and we don't like it anymore. And you're going to start not being able to digest it as well. And I don't know if you can speak to that or agree to that, but yeah. So I have heard, I would need to look at the details more, but when I was looking into those blood tests for food intolerances, I'm pretty sure I read something about how like some of them just can show that you're quote unquote intolerant to whatever you eat the most of or whatever you ate most recently. And so people would get these results of like, oh my God, I can't eat almonds, but I eat them all the time. And it's like, well, it's just saying that because you eat them all the time. So yeah, it's not always accurate. And, um, but also kind of going the other direction, you can build more of a tolerance to different foods too. So, mm -hmm. you know, people, some people have kind of undone lactose intolerance and like gotten themselves used to it, which don't do that with a food you're allergic to, please. That's, that is different. Do not eat foods you're allergic to. Um, but even thinking about people who go vegetarian and maybe mm -hmm. they've eaten like purely meat and potatoes diet and then they go vegetarian and they're eating more fiber. Yeah. It's uncomfortable at first and then they adjust and get used to it. So, so many things are just about our bodies adjusting. Like we're not robots. We have this ability to adapt, which is amazing. So let it adapt by giving it the variety. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really helpful to know. Yeah. It's really important to have variety. Yeah. And now I'm like fired up because the other thing that gets me is, you know, a lot of this, the safe foods and the, this is fine for my digestion comes from the like gut health obsession, but mm -hmm. your gut microbiome wants variety. Like you can't produce right. a variety of good bacteria if you're not getting a variety of prebiotic fibers from food. So yeah, yeah gut, gut health as a, as a buzzword kind of gets me sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, no, I and and I fell in 2019. I fell into that trap. That is right. exactly where I was. Yeah, you were saying kind of like everything you curated on social media. So, how do you feel about the online trends of digestive health? I think they're BS. I think they're BS. I I, I mean, I am so I'm such a good patient. Like any doctor, any dietitian that I've ever had, I do exactly what they say. And so if I saw a trend that was like, take this supplement and eat this and do that and do whatever, and I did it exactly to a T and it yielded me no results <laughs> because they weren't talking to me. They were talking to maybe one person out of a million people that this could help. And, and that can be extremely damaging because that can fall, that can create a cycle for us that then leads to orthorexia or leads to an eating disorder or disordered eating. Okay. And, and it's, it's going to be extremely dangerous for a person that doesn't have the backing or the, the knowledge behind it or, or the self-awareness to kind of be like, whoa, this is like really dangerous where I've gotten to right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for you, how did the orthorexia evolve and eventually subside? 
Yeah, I think I just put, like I said, I put all of my efforts to eating quote, quote, healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I saw no results. I was still suffering probably even more because like you said, I was eating the chickpeas and I was eating the raw salads and I was eating all these, you know, and I would just not even digest these foods. They would just go literally right through me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, I was miserable. I was so miserable that I got to a point where I was like, I am so miserable. I'd rather just like eat whatever I wanted and not be miserable. I mean, and be miserable, but like at least eat what I want and not be so restrictive on like quote unquote healthy and, and you know, eat the cookies, like, like just eat the cookies. You know what I mean? So it's, it it was just, I I think it was just the self-realization and like, you know, my friends and family are so supportive and loving of me that they like, they were like a little bit concerned, but from afar, my, my husband, he was definitely like a lot harder on me because we're very honest with each other, but he was just kind of like, what is going on? Like, this is not okay. And, and at that point I was just like, all right, like we're done. And I mean, for me, that's just how I am. If I want to start something, I start it, And if I want to finish it, I just finish. Like that's how my mind works, whether that's ADHD or not. I don't know. I'm just like (laughs) over it. Um, so for me, I just, I think it wasn't until I realized that like, this isn't serving me and like, it's really just hurting me and it's not whole foods that are going to heal me. I mean, sure. Was it great? Maybe, but like, like it wasn't going to make a difference in my life. And so I'd rather just like live a happy one. Right. And that's important to notice and for people to pay attention to because, I think a lot of people go through that process of I'm going to eliminate XYZ. I'm going to overhaul my diet and only eat clean. And there's not this instant benefit, but they keep questioning, well, maybe it's because I I eliminated dairy but not gluten, or I did this but not that, and maybe I need to do this and this and this, all these, you know, additional things. But if something's gonna help, you're gonna notice. Mm-hmm. Like the people who noticed, oh, it was the dairy. They know pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I had to, I did all those elimination diets where I eliminated gluten and I eliminated sugar even for the Mm -hmm. SIBO diet. I mean, that was terrible. That was terrible. Um, (laughs) I eliminated dairy. I eliminated fructose. And honestly, I never noticed a difference. Mm -hmm. I I mean, again, I'm, I'm a little bit different. I literally had a parasite for the entire time that caused the, you know, I mean, now I'm still, I saw the IBS and the SIBO, but like, it's just the, the the symptoms are not as bad, but yeah, exactly. Exactly what you're saying. And you have to pay attention long-term too, because I know for me, it was totally anxiety related. And so when I started something new, I would think this is going to be it. And so I'd be more relaxed and I would feel better for a little mm-hmm. bit and then I would feel worse again without yeah. changing anything that I was eating. So also looking for the long term of like it's going to change and it's going to stay that way. You know, like it's it's not going to be so subject to your mood. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that that's it's going to be really important to understand like is this anxiety or is this a flare up? Mm-hmm. Because I I I'm I'm really like I really want to like nail this in with a hammer because it can feel so invalidating and I'm sure you can understand for somebody to just hear like it's all in your head like there's nothing wrong with you or there's so many blood tests that you've done and 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 colonoscopies endoscopies and all these things that you go through I'm talking to you guys listening like (laughs) and and a doctor will say there's nothing wrong with you so it must be all in your head like that's not always the case or if it is meaning if it is really impacted by anxiety like how you're describing like you still have the IBS you still have the SIBO it's just the symptoms are are worse like you're still valid in how you're feeling and how it's impacting you. And yeah, working on the anxiety and kind of like those CBT tools that we talked about, it's going to be so helpful in at least managing those symptoms. 
Right. It can be so invalidating. And I know for me, there were points where I thought, well, I kind of wish I did have celiac disease. At least that would be an answer Mm -hmm. that's really concrete as opposed to anxiety is so much harder to deal with, you know? And and so someone saying it's just anxiety, it's like, well, that's not a just. (laughs) No, exactly. It's so overwhelming to live every day being afraid to leave your house or not being near a bathroom or or worst case scenario is constantly ruminating in your head like that is not a way to live and and it's extremely like just difficult it is difficult and so i know with my experience i dealt more with like the bloating the cramping that mm-hmm. stuff with those fears of am i going to need the bathroom can i leave home How did you deal with all of that? Yeah. So from my symptoms got extremely worse. I would say as soon as like the pandemic hit, ha ha, I wonder why. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And until now, like until literally like three months ago when I took the, the flagell for the parasite my symptoms have just gotten worse and worse and worse. And maybe because the parasite was multiplying, um, maybe because I was just under a lot of stress. I mean, I, I started my own business, like so many changes in my life. Um, but yeah, I, I think that being at home and kind of what I meant, what I want to talk about when I mentioned this earlier in the, in the intro, being at home serves to that avoidance. So when COVID hit and we were all subjected to our homes and you're in New York City, so you were probably in a one bedroom or two, you know, whatever, you're in an apartment. At the time, I was in Jersey, luckily. Oh, nice. Oh my gosh. I was was always thinking about people in like apartments with no balconies or anything like that. Um, But we, we, we had to stay home which was great for me because I was like, great, I don't have to go anywhere and I don't have to worry about my stomach and I can just all, all over the house. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) I was fine. And, and then it started, you know, going back to normal, right? Quote unquote normal, new normal. Um, that I was so scared because I then got so used to being at home to then I had, so, so again, to, to that avoidance is I, I ended up going to a restaurant and I had one of those IBS flare-ups or parasite flare-ups that it traumatized me. Mm-hmm. I then did not go out to eat. I actually didn't go into Center City, which is like 15 minutes from my house mm-hmm. by Uber because I was so afraid of that happening again that I, for another year, just didn't go out to eat. And then, or if I did, it would have, there would be so many rules around that. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily food rules, but just rules with myself and what I did and what I, you know, did the day before and what, you know, where it wasn't until literally I, I had to experience a few good experiences to trust that I am okay. And if worst case scenario happens, it happens, but it wasn't my first thought. Mm-hmm. So it's about reteaching ourselves how to live again and how to really experience and enjoy the, the small things that feel so normal to people that don't experience these things that for us, it's like, like to me, I went out to eat or I, I like, I don't know. I, yeah, I guess, I guess go, like going out to eat at night and like just being fine and not being in pain and not, you know, mm-hmm. like just being like, whoa, like this yeah. is what it feels like for other people. I didn't feel that for years. Yeah. And so where are you at now with that? I'm good. Like I, I'm like begging people to go out to dinner. (laughs) I'm like, at this point, no one wants to go. I know. Yeah. I I missed out. So now I'm just spending too much money. Um, but, But I'm, I'm just so excited. And I know for me, like I used to go to New York City actually all the time growing up. My mom and I would go all the time. It's not, I mean, I'm originally from South Jersey, so like it wasn't so far. I went to Rutgers. I actually did my internship in New York. Um, but yeah, no, I loved it. And to me, like going to New York was a huge step and I did it and mm-hmm. I was fine and I survived and I'm actually going to New York this weekend to see a play and like, yay. yay. Um, and so it's like these small steps. It's sort of like exposure therapy of exposing yourself to things that are healthy for you, important for you, and that make you feel happy. And so go to New York was on that list for me. It was pretty high up there and I did it. Yeah. 
And that, what you said, like they, that make you feel healthy, that touches on what I love to talk about, which is just the definition of health and healthy as more than just the physical. And mm-hmm. I mean, even with the physical, you know, we were talking about the, these quote unquote healthy foods and how it can be too much fiber. And maybe it's not the healthiest for you because of that nuance. But also when people can realize, oh, healthy is going out and having fun experiences, doing things with my friends and family, having social connections, like all of these other things, that could be a huge motivator too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and you're right. Like healthy is such a weird word because really what does it mean? But when I guess when I, when I use that word now, I think of just health to me means like what makes me happy and what makes me feel fulfilled and, and nourished, nurtured, whatever these were, you know, all these synonyms that that's what it means to me. Not, am I eating whole foods? (laughs) Right. Right. I ask pretty much all of my new clients, what is your definition of healthy? And everyone says, you know, eating well, exercising consistently. And that's usually it. And I'm like, okay, but what else? And one of the things I love to draw from is the, um, have you heard of the blue zones? No. This is like my favorite thing. There are seven different blue zones in the world that are the, the cities, the areas that have the highest percentage of centenarians of people living past 100 and so they did mm. research to see what contributes to longevity and yes they all have pretty much a mediterranean diet and they have very strong communities they have a sense of purpose in life they have all these non-physical things that are making them really healthy yeah exactly exactly mm-hmm. it's taking care of yourself holistically rather than just one thing yeah yeah so I just hope everyone focuses on that. It's everything. Something too that, you know, as we're talking about this, I just want to make sure to say, because as I think back to that 2019 version of me, and I just want to give her a hug and be nice to her because not many people were um, during that time of me really struggling, is that if you're listening and you're struggling and you're feeling like nobody understands me and everyone's just yelling at me and judging me for wanting to be healthy, like... I hear you. I see you. This is so difficult to just have a mindset that is so one directional and, and many people don't understand you at the time, even though you feel so in it and like, it's just your whole entire life and there's no way out. Like just take it one day at a time and don't, don't let people shame you into doing things that make you uncomfortable because that's not going to be a good way it to help someone who's struggling. I think with any type of disordered eating, if you shame somebody into believing one way or doing one thing one way, like that's just going to hurt them. That's going to create little T traumas maybe even. And, and, you know, I, I just want to make sure to say that, that in no way, like whatever you and I are talking about right now is meant to like make fun of other people or make other people feel ashamed for where, where they're at right now in their journey. Like, take care of yourself and, and just know like there is a way out of this. You don't have to feel like that. Um, but that it's, it's your journey. Absolutely. It's a very real thing, you know, orthorexia, whether or not you identify with that label because no label is needed. Um, Mm -hmm. but I actually think in a lot of ways, those thoughts can be harder to deal with because, if you look at, well, I don't even want to say hard, like everything is hard in its own way. And so they don't even need to be compared, but something that makes it challenging in particular is the fact that there is some truth to the things Mm -hmm. you believe, you know? So when you have this belief of like, okay, well, only fruits and vegetables are going to make me healthy. It is true that fruits and vegetables are healthy. And so having to fight with like, well, how much of this is true versus how much is taking it too far becomes such a fine line and such a nuance. And it just makes it a lot to really weed through. Whereas, you know, you might be able to look at something, a different type of struggle of like, okay, I want to be X weight that 
you know, okay, well, that's much lower than any weight I've ever been. It's probably not going to be healthy. It might seem a little more clear, which to that person mm-hmm. in their head, it doesn't seem clear. So not to say it's easy, but like having scientific facts that do support some level of what you believe can yeah. make it really hard. Exactly. Because again, like I, I keep using this word narrative, but it just perpetuates that narrative for ourselves. And even if people are like yelling at you saying that's not true or shaming you or making you feel like you're not inclusive or you know whatever it is that you're, you're going through, like you are also going through something right now mm-hmm. that is really, really hard and that you deserve compassion as well. And that nobody deserves to be like bullied into whatever way of thinking and that, you know, the people that care about you should just should focus on being there for you in the way that you need. And hopefully, you know, you can get past it. Right, right. And even if you're having those thoughts similar to what you mentioned of kind of um, placing your beliefs on other people, there mm-hmm. can be a lot of judgment of, oh, well, why aren't they eating healthy? And mm-hmm. even that, if someone calls you out for it, if you feel guilty for it, like that's not who you really are mm-hmm. deep down. Like you're not someone who thinks your family is terrible because they don't eat salad. You know, it's yeah. it's not about that. Like a lot of these things can come out with disordered eating, eating disorders, stress, anxiety, all of that. And so- yeah, I, I don't want anyone to to really tear themselves apart for that either. Yeah, I love how you just said that because it kind of reminded me of um, parts theory, parts mm-hmm. therapy. Uh, and, it, you know, for us where it, it basically explains that we are made up of many different parts. And so a part of you is compassion, compassionate and empathetic. A part of you is an athlete. A part of you is a good friend. A part of you is a daughter, is a, you know, whatever. And a part of you is struggling right now with food. And a part of you is maybe judgmental of others, even, even if it's not fair. And even if it's not, you know, it's not going to be helpful for anybody. It's still only a part of you and a part of you that deserves healing. And, and that's exactly, and I love how you put that because that's going to be really important. And if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're noticing one of your friends or siblings or family members, whatever, or coworkers that is struggling in this way, have, have empathy for them, you know, have compassion that they're, they are projecting onto you and that's not fair, right? That's not fair when someone projects onto us. And at the same time, it doesn't really say much about you and says more about what's going on for them and how they're struggling. I hesitate to ever use the words always or never, but I, I think it is fair to say that it's always reflective yeah. of that person making the yeah. comment. And it is similar with comments about body size and body image. And I've asked clients who might fear, oh, if I gain weight, somebody's going to judge me. And I might ask, well, would you judge someone else at a higher mm-hmm. weight? And sometimes people say, actually, yeah, I do. Yeah. And they feel so much shame about it. And it's exactly this. Like, well, yeah, of course you do because it's what you struggle with the most. So it yeah. makes sense in a way. I don't know if makes sense is the right way to say it, but like, yeah, yeah it, it makes sense even if it's not what you want and it, it doesn't mean it can't change. Exactly. Exactly. There's always potential to change and, and for growth. And it's about being, it's about having patience and, and really just being attuned and self-aware and, you know, I don't know, like just thinking about your, your needs in this and, you know, moving forward from there. So well said. So I can share from a nutrition perspective and I would love for you to share from a therapy perspective. If somebody feels like, wow, I relate to so much of this. This is me. I have IBS. I've struggled with orthorexia. I'm whatever that we've talked about that they feel like that's me. What would you say is a good first step? What's a good trajectory of steps from the therapeutic treatment perspective? Yes. So definitely go see a therapist (laughs) Um, because you don't have to go through this alone. And I think a lot of the times we all have circling thoughts um, that when we say them out loud, we recognize how harmful they are or how circling the re- they really are and not intentional um, in, in, in the terms of like helping us. 
that talking about it out loud is going to be extremely important. I also think, again, like when it comes to IBS, the best form of therapeutic treatment for that is cognitive behavioral therapy, is talk therapy, is maybe even parts work, is worst case, best case, most likely scenario, right? Like I, I, I really do believe that you deserve to feel validated in what you are physically feeling. And you also deserve to understand the brain gut connection and that vagus nerve and how it actually really, they they really connect to each other and affect each other and maybe how to heal some of those symptoms that you don't need to be experiencing. Um, So yeah, that's sort of my my short spiel on therapy and IBS. Love it. Love yeah. it. Yeah. And I, I think the nutrition goes hand in hand with it. And I would say also see a dietitian, make sure you've done the proper testing, whether it's elimination diets. And if you're doing an elimination diet, please do it guided by a dietitian mm-hmm. to make sure that you're executing it in a way that's going to actually give you the information you need and not in a kind of sloppy way where you're not um, actually seeing whether there's a change. So doing that guided by someone, making sure you're not unnecessarily eliminating things, making sure your diet overall doesn't have too much or too little of any one thing, you're getting that proper balance. And this is probably not thought about often with IBS and GI disorders, but I do think it's important to see someone who is at least eating disorder informed because Mm -hmm. even if you don't have an eating disorder, never have, never will, there still are, like we've talked about, so many of those stressful, anxious thoughts around food that do come up. And so seeing someone who has an eye and an ear for that will be really helpful. Totally agree. And it's good to tag team with your therapist. (laughs) You and I are a dream team for this. Amen. Oh my gosh. I know we, I hope we work together in the future because it's, I love meeting. I think we, I mean, you and I met before, but we sort of said that we love meeting like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very important. Team approach. Team approach is the gold standard. It's key. Yeah. Amazing. Is there anything else you want to add that we didn't talk about before just kind of plug in yourself and where everyone can find you? So I did have something and I totally lost it because that's just how my brain works. Um, but, but I will share how people can find me. Um, I am the therapy gal on social media, both on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter. Um, also Twitter. And I have a website, thetherapygal.com, and I have a team of therapists. And if you're interested in scheduling an appointment with me or one of my colleagues, my associates, um, please don't have hesitate to reach out and let us know what you're looking to work on. Um, but yeah, it's been such a pleasure and it's, it's always so fun talking with you and I'm, I hope that this helped someone and yes. yeah, I'm sure it did. Yay. Well, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. And there you have it. That is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it and had some good takeaways. If you did, I would love to hear what's resonating for you. Send me a DM on Instagram or share the episode to your stories and tag me so that I can see that you're listening and hopefully loving it. You can also share this episode with a friend who you think would enjoy it and spread some intuitive eating love to everyone around you. As always, five-star ratings and reviews are so appreciated, so you can drop me one of those. Be sure to also check out the show notes for all the links that I mentioned and more information on myself and my nutrition private practice. Other than all that, I hope you have a great day and a great week, and I will catch you in the next episode.